0: I see that in Latin America we tend to think that grandparents have the kind of obligation to take care of their grandchildren. We see a lot of women, especially in lower income classes, a lot of women that are, are able to work, but they are able to work because their own moms are taking care of their children. Women work because grandmothers are taking care of their children. I, I I don't know if it's better or if it's worse. Because on the other hand, we tend to have a, very, a strong social support net that perhaps in developed countries um, people don't have. So I wouldn't say that necessarily is worse, but I don't have that romantic view that it's better like having a family to take care of.
1: Silver Adventures is a content and technology company dedicated to improving the lives of older adults through immersive virtual reality experiences. And this podcast is our opportunity to hear from industry experts, thought leaders, and passionate individuals to share with you their knowledge, expertise, and experiences. Welcome to the Age Care Enrichment Podcast. Hey there, welcome to the show. I'm your host, Ash Deneef, and today we're talking to somebody from a country and region that we haven't heard a lot about. Our guest is Flora Proverbio from Buenos Aires, Argentina, who does quite a few different things. She helps older adults find employment, helps companies market their products to people over 50, and runs a community for women over 50 called Plateadas. In the interview, we get into some of the challenges that Flora faced when looking for work in her late 40s, as well as the work that she does with her silver economy consultancy, Ethnos Strategy, and the changing perception of older adults in Latin America. Having lived and worked in the US for many years, Flora has some interesting insights into what makes aging in Argentina and the wider region a very different experience to countries like Australia. A quick note to say that you may also hear some sounds of the magical city of Buenos Aires in the background, as the majestic 100-year-old subway system snakes its way just past Flora's apartment. That probably sounds a bit more romantic than it is in real life, but uh, please just ignore the background noise. Anyway, here's our chat with Flora Proverbio. Flora, thank you so much for joining us on the program today.
0: Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: Yeah, it's great to have you. And you're calling in all the way from Argentina today. Could you tell us a little bit about you and your work and and give our listeners some of your backstory?
0: Okay, Um, I'm Flora Proverbio. I work with the 50 plus segment. I help corporations and clients to harness all the economic opportunities from the silver economy. I work in advertising for almost 20 years. I work here in Argentina, I work in the US, uh, in New York, in Florida, and I work for many consumer goods companies handling the regional business and the global business for developing countries. So when I was almost 48 years old, I was handling a business unit and So my position was moved to London. I didn't get an offer to move to London. And I thought, well, I'm in the best moment of my career. I felt that I had seniority. Mm -hmm. I felt that I had more time to work because my children, well, they weren't babies anymore. Uh, I had emotional resilience a lot of soft skills that I had developed. I had global experience. So I thought that it was going to be so easy for me to get an interesting job. Uh, And I pictured myself actually refusing a lot of incoming offers. And um, it wasn't like that. Mm. What happened to me, I got some interesting offers, but I realized that during the interview process, I had to kind of demonstrate that I was still in shape.
1: What do you mean still in shape?
0: Still in shape meant that I wasn't obsolete uh-huh. despite my age, that I had the ability to handle digital campaigns, that I understood the digital world, um, how technology has changed all the corporate culture uh, during the last decade. I found that so absurd, you know, so crazy. Mm -hmm. Like I was feeling that I was in my best moment and and the environment was treating me like I was, that I, as if I had reached my expiration date. Mm -hmm. So I decided to go on my own. And at the same time that I was going through this experience in my, my personal life, my dad also started having a lot of cognitive issues. It was very tough, you know, what happens in a family with, when suddenly in an unexpected way you become a caregiver. So suddenly I was like going through these two uh, personal situations and, and I found this very interesting and I start uh, studying about demographic shift was going on and I started studying based on that and I decided to specialize in consumers 50 plus although you can say well but 50 plus is like a huge tank of people Mm. but I decided to take 50 as a tipping point because I feel that is the moment in which society decides that you start your way into becoming less relevant. I also uh, helped the government of Buenos Aires City with public policies that aim to the integration of older adults in the working market. Mm-hmm. So with them, I developed two programs. One is a program in which we try to help companies hire people that are 55 plus and again, overcoming the barriers on both sides, mm. the barriers from the applicants and the barriers from the company. So I try to bridge that and understand what the journey of the working person is and try to kind of overcome the pain points and make sure that relationship can unfold without friction and become a reality. And uh, with the government of Buenos Aires, also... Uh, I develop a program for micro-entrepreneurs, female micro-entrepreneurs, helping them uh, create projects that allow them to have an economic impact in their lives, in their families, in society, because you know that it's very hard for someone in their 50s to find a job.
1: Fantastic. So much stuff to dive into there, Flora. You're covering lots of different areas (laughs) with your work. Yes. I'd really like to just for the moment, focus on the work you're doing with the Buenos Aires government. Mm-hmm. And it must be really nice to have gone through that journey yourself of looking for work and encountering this resistance because of your age to now be helping people overcome that specific issue.
0: It's great and a lot of what I went through helps me. Uh, and also because I, uh, the fact that I'm with the government, is like people are willing to speak with me. A lot of doors open for me mm. that they wouldn't open in another way. So last year, I ran a big piece of research in which I interview a lot of people from human resources on the South Cone. South Cone is Chile, Uruguay, and Argentina, like the South Cone of Latin America. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that helped me understand what the pain points along the, the journey are. Mm-hmm. As I said before, it's not only about hiring is what happens within the hiring process? What happens during the onboarding process?
2: Mm.
0: How does someone that is older than most of the people in a company, how does someone learn about the culture? And you know that every culture has a lot of unwritten rules. Mm-hmm. Uh, so perhaps it's hard to get into the culture if you if all the folks belong to a different age group. And then what happens when people try to grow in companies. So there are a lot of micro behaviors Mm -hmm. that make it very hard for someone that is older to really be able to make the most of that experience. But what I learned is that on the other side, there are also many resistances or behaviors that need to be worked as well. So when I started this process, I was all about like... No, corporate cultures need to work to change. But then I realized that people that are like in my age group also need to to change some behaviors or perceptions or the way in which sometimes they don't express what they feel or what they think. Mm -hmm. So it's not only working with the perceptions of the younger ones towards the older ones, it's also working with the older ones about the perceptions that they have of themselves. Because mm. those models in which people think that after 50 you can't learn or you are out of shape or you are less innovative, it's not only that younger people think that. Mm-hmm. People in my age group, sometimes we feel that about ourselves also. So mm. it's working with the culture and try to make both groups, try to understand each other.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's trying to eliminate that, the stigma from outside and also the self-stigma that Mm -hmm. older adults or adults over 50 might hold themselves. Definitely. I'm wondering, because you lived in in the United States for a number of years and working across different segments of the economy there and in Argentina, is there a difference in the way that older adults are perceived in the US as compared to Argentina?
0: There is a difference in in everything because United States is a powerful, rich country
2: mm-hmm.
0: and argentina or latin america is not mm. so everything is there is not only what i mean is that there there is a way in which older adults are perceived there is a way in which children are perceived there is a way in which people access health security everything in the united states not everyone but you have a. Uh, huge percentage of the older adult population that has a lot of disposable income Mm -hmm. and older adults are the group with higher uh, income and with more disposable income in the economy. So suddenly everyone is trying to sell stuff to them. Mm -hmm. And I would say that in Argentina or in Latin America, we are going now with some delay through something different but the amount of people to whom you can sell stuff is much smaller because hmm. a lot of the population lives under the line of poverty or a lot of the population is struggling with their income mm-hmm. uh, the fact that a lot of people are struggling with their income has many i wouldn't say consequences but but uh, impacts life in many ways and and the, the biggest difference that I see is that in in the States, people retire because they want. Hmm. And in Latin America, a lot of people can't retire. I mean, they get to their retire, retiring age, but they continue doing some kind of stuff, not because they want, some of them, they want to have a personal project and they enjoy working, and whatever, but many of them have to continue doing working or some kind of informal work because they need to earn some money. On the other hand, you can say, well, that keeps them uh, busy and having something to do keeps you healthy and it's great to have something to do. So um, it, it, it might have a positive impact as well. Another big difference that I see is the, um, although this, I I want to say Latin America is changing and it's changing very fast because the way in in, in which the population is organized is changing very fast and the population is changing as uh, Latin America is the region that is changing and aging the fastest. Mm. But still in Latin America, if you compare it with Europe or with the U.S., I don't know how it is in in Australia, we tend to be much more about the family, Mm -hmm. so a lot of the care uh, is provided by the family. Mm -hmm. And the lower the economic level of the family, the more chances you have to have uh, multi-generational homes. Mm But that, again, that is changing. If you think of families that are like middle class or upper class, you don't have multigenerational as home. And that is changing because houses are shrinking. Mm. Family size is shrinking. We have a lot of women that now have entered the working force. So women tended to be the primary caregivers. Mm-hmm. But now most of the women work. So what is going to happen with older adults, with those women aren't there to provide care? Mm-hmm. So we see the care industry is booming. Um, so again, Latin America in Latin America, you could say that you have two different societies. It's a very polarized society. You have a lot of people under the line of poverty. Mm-hmm. Those people, they can't access care, like they can't access a lot of things. And then you have half of the population that is middle class or upper class, and those people can access care, private medicine, and as I said, because the population is aging very fast, we see a lot of um, industries that suddenly are shifting their offering and trying to reach this group of people, and we also see a lot a, a, a big. Um, entrepreneur ecosystem of senior entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. So there is a booming economy, also many groups of people over 60 trying to start their own company or trying to start their own company to target people on the same age group. Mm -hmm. And this is changing very fast, like it's it's happening right now.
1: Yeah, I'm wondering with, you know, you mentioned that one potential difference is the, the kind of focus on the family is slightly different in Latin America. I'm wondering if, uh, even when you have adults over 50 who have disposable income to be sold to, I wonder if their interests are slightly different to those in the States if there's more of a family focus than there is in America.
0: Mm, I, I, I don't know. It it might be. Uh, when I moved to the States, it surprised me because in Buenos Aires, I was very used to go, for example, to a restaurant and see tables with people from different generations. Mm. And in the U.S., for me, it was surprising because I wouldn't see that, Mm -hmm. you know, like people would see their grandparents once a year. Mm -hmm. People move to another city, they even see their parents once a year. I thought that was sad. But also I see that in Latin America, we tend to think that grandparents have the kind of obligation to take care of their grandchildren. Mm-hmm. We see a lot of women, especially in lower-income classes, a lot of women that are, are able to work, but they are able to work because their own moms are taking care of their children. Women work because grandmothers are taking care of their children.
2: Yeah.
0: I, I, I don't know if it's better or if it's worse, because on the other hand, we tend to have a, very, a, a strong social support net mm-hmm. that perhaps in developed countries... Um, people don't have. Uh, And and also, I mean, being a grandmother, is it an obligation or should be a pleasure and and a decision? You know, like Mm. now we're having these kind of conversations in Argentina. You can see those kind of articles in the newspaper, like obligation or pleasure. I mean, it tend to be that it was an obligation. And now some women are saying like, no, wait, I don't want to have to take care of my grandchildren i'm going to see them only when i want mm-hmm. but it is also true that grandchildren keep you busy occupied happy they give you chance of love and those things are important to have a healthy aging process so i wouldn't say that necessarily is worse but I don't have that romantic view that is better, like mm. having a family to take care of. And a family is also a lot of obligations. And in multi-generational homes, despite the romantic view that people have, that oh, in Latin America, a lot of people live with their elder ones, and that that is great. They don't put them in an institution, uh, but older folks are not that happy when they live in the same home with their children and with their grandchildren. Hmm. Especially in homes where there is not a a lot of disposable income because what happens is that those elder folks, perhaps they end up in a small room, they can't put their own rules, they can't decide when they want to do whatever they want to do. Uh, In terms of like I was saying, the population is aging very fast in Latin America. Mm-hmm. What for example the process that in Europe took sixty years in Latin America is happening happening in twenty-five years. Mm-hmm. So this is very fast. And now we have a lot of industries that are booming, and something that is booming is the the, the co-housing industry, you know, kind of mm-hmm. I don't know in Australia, but in the States we have a lot of co-housing projects mm-hmm. and in Buenos Aires right now many things like this are being developed mm-hmm. and there is a building for people 65 and older uh, close to my house and they ended up building it last year and they sold all the apartments like really fast wow. so first people were saying like who is going to nobody would like to live in a place that is all for old people yes old pe- Older folks want to live with older folks and have fun uh, and enjoy that. There are many learning communities that are being developed. There are many social places that are being developed, like bars, places to have fun, to listen to music. So from social offerings, care offerings, architecture, uh, many industries are being developing and, and booming.
1: You're listening to the Age Care Enrichment Podcast, brought to you by Silver Adventures, and we want to thank all of our listeners and subscribers, especially those people who've shared this podcast with a friend or colleague. Because of you, we've just entered the top 50 mental health podcasts on Apple Podcasts, and we're one of the fastest growing health podcasts in Australia. We're looking to take the Aged Care Enrichment Podcast to the next level, by partnering with great organizations to showcase their message with our rapidly growing audience of aged care executives and people working within the industry. If you'd like to discuss what an advertising opportunity with our podcast can mean for your business, send us an email. We're at acepodcast at silveradventures.com.au. That's S-I-L-V-R adventures. Remember, there's no E in there. Now let's get back to this week's guest. Fantastic. Well, it sounds like Traditionally, maybe older adults might have been a bit in the background or in the shadows, and now they're giving, getting a chance, at least in Argentina, to come out. And mm-hmm. I, I want to pivot to, to ethnostrategy now, your work consulting with companies to help them embrace the perspectives of older adults. Mm-hmm. How do you bring in the, the perspectives of people over 50?
0: So I always say to my clients that there are three things uh, that companies can do uh, to, to connect with this audience. The first one is do research and understand them, really understand, put yourself in their shoes and understand their values, their behaviors, their perspectives, and then speak with them in a way that engages them.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And, and I guess this is obvious and this works for absolutely every target. It's not rocket science, what I'm saying. But what happens, like I said before, is because many companies are made uh, by younger folks. When I have this conversation, I usually have this conversation with people in their 30s, in their 40s, who are kind of afraid to think of themselves as older folks. Mm. Like they are in denial. Think of my future self is something like, no, 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 I don't want to think about that so many times when they speak to this audience, they speak with a lot of stereotypes or, or negative ideas. And they end up saying these uh, things that from my perspective are stupid, like whatever, like 60 is the new 40, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: you know, like trying to say like, okay, older folks, we speak to you, but we know that somehow you are still young at heart. Uh, from my perspective, it's wrong. 60 is not the new 40. We are going through a new way of living our 60s, our 70s, but it's not the new 40. 40, 40, 60, 60. Hmm. So the first thing is run research, understand them, and understand their values in this life stage and their values towards the category that you are selling. Mm-hmm. The second thing that you can do. So that is communication, how you connect with them, the storytelling uh, that you project about this lifestyle, what you propose to them, the role models that you, that you create or you propose. The second thing that you can do is evolve that product or service to cater this audience. Mm -hmm. For example, let's say you have a restaurant. Okay. Okay how can we redesign that experience to make sure you're not leaving anyone outside, Mm -hmm. whatever, perhaps you have your cups of coffee are hard to handle and someone who has arthritis or Parkinson is going to be discriminated by the cups of coffee that you have and their experience is going to be horrible and tough because the cups that you are choosing are discriminating people. Mm-hmm. So let's see how your branches are designed. Let's see how the the benefits of the product that you have. How are you communicating those? For example, last week I was in a workshop with a food company. I, they, they had these cereal bars. Mm. And usually cereal bar- bars are hard, but we were in a in a workshop and they were trying to think how they could sell a new kind of cereal bar that was very soft. When you bite it, it's very soft. Mm-hmm. And they were struggling like, OK, this is for older people, you know, that they can't buy uh, hard stuff. So how can we say this is a cereal bar for older people? And I was like, perhaps you don't need to say that it's a cereal bar for older people. If someone has issues with their teeth and those issues are related to age, they already know that they have issues with their teeth and that they can't bite hard stuff. Yeah. If you just say that the cereal bar is soft, you're evolving your communication to cater this target in a way that you're, you aren't even like pointing at them. You know, so how can you evolve what you have to embrace this target, perhaps incorporate small changes, make your uh, type, the the, the letters in your label, Mm -hmm. make them bigger, uh, make the lid easier to open. Mm -hmm. I'm not asking you to develop a new product, just those little details that you can change and make it more inclusive. So that is the, the second thing. The first one is engage with them in, in, a, in a way that is respectful and, and nice mm-hmm. and engage with them. The second one is you can evolve what you already have. Mm-hmm. Incorporate small shifts and make your offer more engaging. And the third one is, okay, let's design for the target a new product, a new service, and there. Because I have this community of people over 50. We do a lot of design thinking and we design not for the target, but with the target. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right now, there is a company of games for older adults that work for cognitive disorders, etc. And they are designing their online platform. So we are working with older adults and working with them to shape the user experience. Mm-hmm. And they give us feedback and we incorporate that feedback. So those are like the, the, the three kind of offerings that, that we do in terms of products and services with companies.
1: Yeah, that's fantastic. And Flora, we're coming up towards the end of time and I wanted to see if you, uh, if you want to talk about anything else, maybe a little bit more about Plateadas.
0: Yes, Plateadas is my online community of women over 50. I mean, I'm very passionate about this group, and I, I love the relationship and the daily conversations I have with them. And what I try to do there is empower women and fight again uh, ageism and stereotypes. And it's very interesting because women like get the, the worst of two words because we have all the gender stereotypes that Lag us behind mm-hmm. but also we have all the ageist stereotypes and what I try to do is to empower them I try to use some sense of humor you know to make it light and invite them to embrace themselves embrace their wrinkles we speak a lot about sex about pleasure mm-hmm. about all these ideas that somehow that, that are still in our society Things are changing very fast. but this idea that with menopause is the beginning of the end of our pleasure. So I work with many people that you know, sexologists or stuff. Star- I'm not a doctor. I'm not a sexologist. I'm not a psychologist. So I always try to work with someone else mm-hmm. to help women understand that our brain and our clitoris don't uh, don't stop working with age. So our we are able to, to feel pleasure all our life and to embrace that wonderful gift of nature. Mm-hmm. And we have a lot of fun doing that. I also invite women to embrace their wrinkles. And I feel that gray hair is having like a mainstream moment right now. You know, like in film festivals, you see famous people with their gray hair and that is great. Mm-hmm. So I think that the next step should be wrinkles having a a mainstream moment so uh, i invite them to rock their wrinkles uh, Mm -hmm. use whatever use shiny lipstick uh, and feel beautiful i think that in a society that tells us that when we should feel ashamed of what we see in the mirror feeling beautiful and pretty is a political response Mm -hmm. that changes everything
1: yeah fantastic Flora, we've covered heaps today. Thank you so much for your time. Where can people find out a little bit more about you and your work?
0: Uh, LinkedIn, of course, you can look for Flora Proverbio in LinkedIn. If you want to see what I do with Plateadas in Instagram, again, with my name, Flora Proverbio. I also have a podcast, it's in Spanish. Uh, with a gerontologist who is called Diego Bernardini uh, it's called the second half la segunda mitad, the second half of, of life mm-hmm. and we speak also about the all the wonderful opportunities of life after 50.
1: Absolutely well Flora thanks so much for your time today.
0: Thank you very much.
1: Well we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Age Care Enrichment Podcast brought to you by Silver Adventures. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. And if you're enjoying it, please leave us a review. We'd really appreciate it. If you're interested in finding out how immersive virtual reality experiences can enrich the lives of older adults, visit the Silver Adventures website today at www.silveradventures.com.au. See you next week.